Hi, I'm Devin, and you are listening to Making Rent. When I started my company almost a year ago, I really wanted to try to find as many connections as I could with the startup community as quickly as possible. And I really didn't want to make a bunch of weak connections, I guess you could say, because I really wanted to have tangible interactions with people that I was doing business with because I thought that would be the best way for me to build trust with people. Currently I help organize Dallas's chapter of One Million Cups, a meetup group called Dallas Design and Code, while managing to also attend several other reoccurring meetup groups in the Dallas area. One Million Cups is a pretty awesome organization. Really, it's a community of people that is um, organized by the Kauffman Foundation, which is a national nonprofit organization that I can't recall the state that they're based out of, but they're all over the country and they have 120 chapters. Dallas is a pretty good um, sized chapter. We have roughly 30 to 60 reoccurring members. Um, that show up every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. And the majority of the crowd are newcomers, or I would say there's probably a 60-40 split, which I think is fantastic in in that we're bringing a lot of people who were previously interested um, in, in the startup community into the startup space in Dallas and giving them a introduction as to what it's like to manage a company. What One Million Cups is, is a meetup that happens every Wednesday morning at a local co-op space in Dallas, or a local co-working space called The Deck, and every One Million Cups around the country meets at 9 a.m. and has different startups give a pitch about their company and get feedback, feedback and help from the community. What is special about the Dallas community um, or the format that the Dallas community has that I really like is that we have two startups give a six-minute pitch and we're really hard on enforcing that six-minute time period um, and if someone goes over we clap and then we do 15 minutes of Q&A where each member of the audience asks um, a question or gives feedback on the presentation and one thing that we always make sure to ask is what can the community do for you, the company that is presenting? And I think that's awesome and allows everyone to get some sort of value from the event. Dallas Designing Code is a meetup group that's very special to me because it is a group that I started on my own and I've mostly organized it on my own, although I've had some help from another really awesome community member who uh, jumped on board after the first meetup, first or second, and they were just... Uh, super psyched about the design community and they work as a designer now. When I met them, they were actually a student at the Iron Yard, which is where we were hosting the meetup group. Um, and they were really into design and now they uh, they have a job as a designer. Since Since I've met them, they've kind of grown and evolved, which is awesome to see. And so I started that group on my own from zero members. It is now grown to about 360 and we have about 150 on a mailing list that I connect with and they give me awesome feedback and it's great and I love it. And I love 
meeting this many people, which is something I wouldn't have been able to do and to build as much of a relationship with the community as I would have organizing a meetup group. Today I want to talk about how to start a meetup group. And there are a few key components. First, you need to pick a platform, decide what the name and the description are going to be, planning your first event, and how to keep in touch with your members. The most important thing when deciding to start a meetup group is to just start and to try a bunch of stuff and to fail at doing some things and to learn to recover from those failures and to correct and try again and to listen to your members and to just keep trying different stuff. When organizing a meetup group, you're going to need to pick a platform to run it on. I use meetup.com to organize the meetup group that I have. It just has built-in um, ways to capture people's email to add them to a mailing list. It's really good for scheduling events and they'll automatically send out that event to everyone in your group and also people can uh, go there to find other groups and so it's a really good way to get found as well. So I really like meetup.com. Some people use Eventbrite. Um, some people use a combination of the two so, because Eventbrite can kind of be put behind a paywall so if you wanted to charge for your groups that's an easy way to do it. Um, I don't personally charge for any of my groups but if I did I would use Eventbrite. And then really you could choose to have it on a WordPress website or even a bulletin board in your community church or the library or something. But um, it's important to have a, a consistent way to communicate with your potential meetup group goers. So I would recommend using meetup.com. They do charge. I pay like $14 a month to organize my group and then you can organize as many groups as you want to once you pay. Uh, if I wanted to, I could organize more. If I just wanted to like experiment with other interests that I wanted to have a, a group dedicated to, then I could do that. So I really like it a lot for those reasons. But yeah, once you've decided on a platform, then it's important that at that point you figure out what your name uh, and a description of your group are going to be. I've already touched on the three basic things that you need to start a group once you've decided on a platform, and that's a name, a picture, and a description of the group, so that when people come to the group on whatever platform that you decided on, they'll have an idea of what your group is about and if they want to attend or not. Once you have your group started on meetup.com, it's time to plan your first event. and. On Meetup, they make it very easy. You click Schedule on the group page, and you put a name, description, picture, and location for the event. You don't need a picture, but I find that it, it's engaging for audiences to have uh, a, a better mental model of what you're going to be talking about if you have a picture. So that's why I include a picture on all of my Meetup events, even though they don't necessarily require one. And it's important to make sure that your first event fits the description of your group that you started. So for me, when I started Dallas Design and Code, the first event that I held was 
an introduction to SAS, which is a CSS framework, which is a, a styling thing. So it fits into the world of design and code. That's why I thought it would be a really good first meetup to organize. Once you have your event scheduled, it's time to start marketing it. And for me, that was posting in different Facebook channels that had shared interest as the same group. I messaged coordinators of other meetups that were tangentially related. So for the design and code meetup group, I organized other development groups and other design UX groups uh, to try to leverage some of their audience to bring them into my meetup. And then also posting in some like freelance groups on Facebook, some uh, startup Slack channel groups, some development Slack channel groups, and to try to get as many people as I could from the networks that I'm already involved in into the meetup. So once you have an event scheduled and you have people that are uh, RSVP'd to go to the event, then uh, it's helpful to have a schedule of how everything's going to go down at the event itself. And this is more helpful, well, really it's helpful for everyone. It's helpful for you as the coordinator because that gives you less to think about when the event comes around so that if you need to fight fires you have more time to do that and you're not worrying about what the heck you're going to do when you get there. And it helps your members know what they're in store for when they go to your event. One thing to keep in mind when you're planning meetup events is that sometimes you're not going to have a massive turnout. I've had events where only five people have shown up and those are cool too because you get to have a lot more of an intimate connection with your audience that comes out and you can really get to know the people that are coming to your events so it's not the worst if 30 people don't show up at the your first event or your third or your fourth it's important though to to keep learning from what's happening at these events and if you do have a low turnout try to think about why you had a low turnout and what you could do differently to change that. So how do you learn how how to change uh, the meetup as you go along? I think this um, solution that I have really solves a lot of problems in addition to that one which is to keep in touch with your members as they're going to your event. Have a sign-in sheet in person and an RSVP online if possible. You really want to try to capture both because sometimes people just show up, sometimes people are just in the space when you decide to have the event, and um, so you want to try to capture both if at all possible. MailChimp has an RSVP system, so that makes it really easy to see who went to the event. Eventbrite also has an RSVP system, and a lot of people use Eventbrite, as I said previously, to put things behind a paywall or if you want to Make sure to capture people's email at the time of RSVP. Eventbrite is a really good way to do that. Um, in person at the One Million Cups meetup group, I have started using Google Forms to capture people's sign-in. That way I can get their name, email, confirmation that they'd like to join the mailing list, and I can also ask questions like, how have you heard about the event? Or what's one thing that you would change? Or what's something that your company... Um, has a challenge with or in the case of the design and code meetup group it could be more about uh, like what's something that you as a designer or you as a developer are struggling with 
The reason for having a sign-in sheet is to make sure that you can add those people to your mailing list. And a mailing list is a really good way to stay in touch with your organization, your community, your meetup out after the meetup has already happened. For the Dallas Design and Code group, I actually had a string of low turnout events, like 12 or 5 people coming out to subsequent group meetings. And one thing that I did to solve that with the mailing list was uh, not only having the mailing list and sending it out and growing it as the group gets larger, but also sending out a survey. Like I sent out this one survey that just asked, what are you interested in learning about? And I had quite a few solid responses. About 14 people of a 150 person mailing list responded, which is pretty good. That's 10% of the entire mailing list that reached back out to me. And they gave me different suggestions. One of them was like more of an introduction to design, introduction introduction to development, where the two intersect, um, kind of things related to what the group was originally named after. And I took one of the top responses, which was like how to build an MVP, or like how to take a, a product from design to design, uh, sorry, how to take a product from like an idea to go through the design phase and development. And that went really well. We had the largest turnout that I'd had uh, in months um, by responding to the, the group members' feedback. So that's really the last step to starting a meetup group. The last step of organizing a meetup group is to evaluate the performance and repeat the cycle of scheduling events and keeping in touch with members. It's very easy. You pick a platform, decide on a group, come up with a little bit of descriptive information about that group, plan an event, also with some descriptive information, schedule it, have a schedule for the event itself, get people to come, and listen to their feedback. Not all meetup groups work. I started Dallas Design and Code because I wanted to get familiar with the Dallas community and developers and designers because I thought that that might lead to more work for me. And I've learned that organizing One Million Cups has been more of a benefit to myself and also a podcast that I've been organizing uh, or hosting, the Freelance Afternoon Show, which I've talked about in previous shows. And that is uh, all there is to it, really. So I, I'm actually planning on stopping the Dallas Design and Code meetup group because it's been awesome and it was a very interesting experiment. But I haven't gotten as much return on that investment as I have from the podcast or from organizing One Million Cups. So that's totally fine. Um, I'm going to send out one last final uh, email mailing list after our final mail, on, after our final meetup and let everyone know that I'm going to discontinue the organization, but if they want to keep following me at the Freelance Afternoon Show, they're more than welcome to. I don't want to just copy and paste the mailing list over, because when people signed up for that mailing list, they weren't agreeing to sign up for the Freelance Afternoon Show, so I want to make sure that I don't um, invite people to groups that they weren't asked to be in, because that can cause issues with trust, I think, so I'm not going to do that. That is how I start and organize meetup groups. I hope this has been helpful to you. My name is Devin, and you are listening to Making Rent.